Welcome to episode six, season two of the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. And now I am a CFL Hall of Famer. Man, it just continues to sink in every day. Every day I think about it, it gets better and better. And to go back and think about everything that had to go right for these moments to happen, this is the reason why this guest is my guest today. I can go back and I can tell you and I can explain to you the type of influence that he had on my life and on my sports career. I'm just so thankful to have him go do what he did to allow me the opportunity to grow and go do what I did. And you will learn in this, in this podcast, there's one specific story that you're going to hear that's going to help you understand why I am the way I am. And it was a moment in his life that happened. And you will understand. You'll be able to put two and two together. Without further ado, this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Welcome to episode six, season two of the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Fort Worth, Texas, went to Western Hills High School. Then he went to Ranger Junior College, then BYU. Then Missouri State, at Ranger, he was a first-team All-American. Then he traveled the country playing arena football and with a stop at the Buffalo Bills. He won a championship mm-hmm. with the Tulsa Talons that led him to the Austin Wranglers for two years where he had 1,800 yards and 29 touchdowns. He was a huge influence and a great impact on my career. Welcome to the show, Tacoma Fontaine. Pretty Ricky, what they call him. That's what they might have said. How's everybody doing out there? How's everybody? I appreciate everybody tuning in. It's my honor and my privilege to be on the Lulu Logic podcast of everything else. So <laughs> let's get How it you in. Doing? I'm good. I'm good. Let's get it in. Let's dive deep into the dynamic duo that me and you are. Then how the world that we live in has created us monsters. That's it. <laughs> that is it. You know, this is my first podcast post. Everybody can see my new set post Hall of Fame. And um, I thought it was only fitting for it to be you to be my first post Hall of Fame guest because the influence that you had on my career and my life, you know, all the way through it and and still to this day, you know, so I don't know how I could ever pay gratitude or, you know, everything on that front, but man, it's just, it's such a blessing. Me, me being, I think you, what are you six years older than me? So, yeah. so me being able to, I remember getting in a car right after a football game. I think we played Lindsay and we get in the car and we drive to Missouri with Dimple. And yeah. we go to watch you play the next day. So we played a Friday night. The game's Y'all over like 11 o'clock. stayed my house that night after the game. Yeah, yeah. The, game's yeah. Over. the game's over at 11 o'clock. We get in the car, and we're in the car all the way to Missouri to go watch you play the next day. And um, you had that big-ass dog. 
Chevy. <laughs> I had Chevy, yeah. the Rottweiler, was at the house. Yeah, y'all was like, no, we ain't coming in. I was like, no, she's good. She's good. Just come in. <laughs> so it's been like I've I've been able to, you know, to to watch you play in multiple different places from from Bozier to Tulsa to to South Missouri to um you know Austin. all over Austin. Man, Austin. <laughs> there was a lot of experiences in Austin. We got to meet a lot of people, and there was a lot of things going on in Austin. We got to meet a lot of people. Priest Holmes, Kid Capri, Bismarcky. For yeah. people that don't Adrian know, Peterson. If, if, Adrian Peterson, if you've never been to Austin, go to Austin. Whether it's during Texas Relays, South by Southwest, or just to go and experience 6th Street. Well, let's well let's say, let's talk about this. So, a lot of people right now are moving from Silicon Valley to outside of Austin. They're moving to Westlake. So, Joe Rogan, that Laga Vista, uh, Westlake area. There's a lot of Silicon Valley. They're saying we're not paying these taxes no more. And Austin is starting to become this new Silicon Valley hub. And Dave Chappelle was down there for like two months doing concerts and, and barbecue spots. It was when we were down when when we were you remember the, the apartments that we stayed in? Yeah, when we were in Houston, we were across the highway from Willie Nelson, Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock. They were all there. But see what people don't know is that the film school at the University of Texas and that film community in there Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. A lot of films, a lot of films, a lot of independent. That's why Southwest South by Southwest is so big because it's independent artists, actual music, and it's also video and film independent and all that other stuff. And that's why people want to go there because you get the Hollywood type atmosphere. You get the hills depending on where you live at. The good food. Get the you good get food. Don't pay taxes. You get good money. You get, you get college, money. But it's still, right now, right now, Austin is still a college town. It always will be. It always will be. It always will be. And not only because of that, because 45 minutes down the road, you got San Marcos, which is South yeah. Texas State. And for back in the day when, when we were in high school and well, when I was in high school, you were in middle school back then. Southwest Texas State was the number one party school in the nation. Yeah, we're talking Asian and, and then they're not they weren't even division one at that time. We're talking bigger than Miami, bigger than University of Texas, which was 45 minutes down the road. Whatever big division one school you think that parties are like, Southwest Texas State back then partied more than any school in the nation. Because you, you yeah. think about it. Right between Austin and Southwest Texas, you've got uh, New Braunfels where you can float. Isn't that where they shot uh, um, Unnecessary Roughness? They shot Nessus Unnecessary Roughness at in Denton. Unnecessary Roughness? Oh, they shot, yeah, they shot it. It was Denton. But you know what was shot in Austin? The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville. Yes. It was filmed in Austin at the same place, the same school that we practiced at. The Austin Wranglers had our own practice field set up at the Texas School for the Deaf. We practiced okay. on their on their campus, and when we got <laughs> done practicing, it was fake. Like we'd get done practicing, and then we'd leave there. And as we're leaving, the whole film crew's coming up, and Knoxville's coming in. But see, that was that's also the same, that was also the same time that Real World Austin was going on, because that's when that's when I was always out with Roy Lee with Nehemiah. And the whole crew 
uh, from Real World Austin. That was yeah. Every, see, Austin's been big for a long time. It's just you don't really know about it because everybody screams about Hollywood, and there's even a lot of films made in Dallas that's been a that Dallas is big on the film industry too. They just yeah. Dude, that's that's crazy. You know, just thinking about Austin and just being that hot spot. And and for the people that don't know, South by Southwest, the first, the first like five days is a film festival. And then the next 10 is a uh music festival. Right. So all the movie stars are there for South by Southwest. I remember when Petway got married and I walk in the lobby of the four seasons, that's where he's getting married. And there was Paul Rudd and, and Billy Bob Thornton and Danny McBride and it just countless other artists or art, um, actors that were there. And it was just like Jason Siegel. And it was just so many of the comedian type and everybody was cool having a good time, you know, so. That's why once, once the actors experienced that, they're like, man, this is like a Hollywood atmosphere, but I'm not paying all this money. Yeah, taxes in California, man. And I get more land for my money, which means I don't have to see my neighbor and my neighbor doesn't have to see <laughs> my house. Man, please. Come on, man. Look, that's the only reason, Nick, that's the only reason why I haven't tried to buy a house in Las Vegas because it's not worth my money. I can show you a house in Vegas that costs $1.3 million. And guess what? Your neighbor's going to be pretty close to you. Oh, Vegas had a good go, housing market. It does have a good housing market. It does have a good housing market. You get a good it just, house. You just go, you don't get no you land. You ain't getting no land. You get a good house, you ain't getting no land. That, but I can go, I show you that same. You you want to spend 1.3 million here in Vegas and sh show me what Texas, you, you got acres. Okay. I'll take you to Texas. You remember my house in uh Louisville? Yeah. You can go five minutes from my house. 1.3 million, you know what? You're not going to see your neighbor. Your neighbor's not going to see you. The people driving down your street, they're not going to see your house because your house is acres off of the land, acres back away from it, and you still got more acres behind that. That's going to give you 1.3. Yeah. Your house is going to be just as big. Your house is going to be just as big as bigger. You're going to get better amenities. I never thought about that. I never thought about that. Acres. I never thought about the land aspect. I, I just knew the houses were like very comparable, but you make a lot of sense there that the land factor, because in Texas, you spend a million dollars, you got acres. You're not going to see your neighbor. You're not unless going to you, see your neighbor. Unless you're in Jerry Jones' neighborhood yeah. up there by SMU. And, Jerry Jones and all that. You're not, you're not going to see your neighbor. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. So when you that's a whole different that's why and you I'll go ahead. Oh, I don't get me wrong. I love I love the house out here. Like like Eddie's house. Eddie's house is sick. Eddie's house is sick. Eddie got a steal for his house. The market was down. He got a steal. It's almost doubled, close to tripled in value since he got it. That's awesome. But he doesn't have he's got a neighbor right next to him. Yeah, he ain't gonna land. You know, and and there's in the same in the same subdivision where that house is, there's another house just like it. Two or three or four. 
And if yeah. I'm, even if I'm buying a $1.3 million house out here, that's in a certain thing, you know what, there might be a house that looks just like it somewhere in that same subdivision. But you know what, if I spend 1.3 million in Texas, you know what that house is going to look like my house. Yeah. It ain't going to look like somebody else's house. It's going to look like my house. And you know, who's going to see it. The only people that I want to see it because my neighbors aren't going to see it. You got to drive a good ways through some trees just to even see my house. So you make a great point on that. Uh, Vegas. I see Dana White just announced Conor McGregor, Poirier back in Vegas this summer in July with a crowd. Is Vegas opening back up and when? It's amazing that you asked me that because this might make everybody laugh that's listening and watching this this might make everybody laugh right now yes vegas is opening back up and it is ridiculous because as of today my car kind of decided that it wants to be lazy and not really work all the way so being that i'm kind of a shade tree mechanic which is i can do pretty much anything if i have the time and the want to but we're going to keep it a little short on that note. And I was thinking about fixing my car myself, but it was going to take me a couple of days. So I was going to rent a car. Now, mind you, a couple months ago, I rented a Tahoe 4x4 because I was taking my daughter and my dogs out to the river. We were just going to spend a day. And the only way we could get there was by 4x4. So we yeah. ended the day 4x4. We're talking Tahoe, big, you know, bam, 4x4, got the dogs in, bam. Cost me one day, $47. Cool. And I was like, here I am thinking, oh, cool. I can get an economy car, just something small for a week, you know, pay $300 maybe, you know, for the week and be in fix my car take my time and do all that man they told me it was three hundred dollars a day for a compact car <laughs> that's how much everybody coming to vegas that's how much vegas that's how much vegas is opening up right now it costs you three hundred dollars a day to rent a compact car now in case for y'all that don't know what size a compact car is my daughter has a twin bed that is elevated so and underneath it she's got a really big love seat that can seat two people so a compact car you can park underneath my daughter's car and they want three hundred dollars a day for that that's twelve hundred dollars a week i would be better off going and buying a car and having a five hundred dollar payment for three months i'm just trying to get through a week and yeah vegas is back open so everybody come to vegas rent all the cars <laughs> get your hotel rooms and come get it in vegas is back open in june 1st they're taking yeah, away the social distancing <laughs> yeah june 1st they're taking away social distancing come in come check out come check out our iBoomerang site and vibe rise we got your credits we got everything you need just come get in come to vegas come Come spend three hundred dollars on a compound car. I'm coming to Vegas. I'm coming to Vegas, man. I got to. It's been so long. I've been stuck up here. It's snowing right now, so I, I definitely got to come to Vegas. It's been way too long since I've been in Vegas. Well, no, my, okay, so my JUCO running back is coming to Vegas next week. He's coming awesome. to Vegas next week. I I haven't seen him since I left JUCO. 
since I left Juco. I haven't seen him since I left Juco. And he's coming to Vegas next week. I'm kind of excited. He's from Houston. Question. So, Question for yes. you. If you can go back just post, let's go post-college. How many After teammates do you think you had? Oh, um, let's see. Post college only. Just post college. Just a roundabout post figure. You don't. You know. Just just try to think about how many years you played. You know, in those seven eight years. How many teammates you think you had? Man, um, some of those years were close to a hundred teammates. Yeah. Only because, well, well, okay. So that here, this, we'll put this into perspective. So when, when I left Austin, this is, this is, oh, this is interesting. All of you Lulu lunatics out there <laughs> and uh, all of you Lewis fans, uh, just want to let you know that me and uh, Geronimo Jones here, uh, a lot of times we had always talked about playing with each other. Always yeah. talked playing with each other. And we we had that chance one time. We had that chance one time in Calgary. Um, we, I, I want to say this was 2006. Was it? it yeah, was I think it was six. It yeah. was after I zipped that year. That year I went through it was six or seven, six or seven, one of the two. It was 2006. It was because it was just after I left. It was just after I left. I got released from Austin after I had my surgery that year after my hip was, uh, I tore my labrum in my hip. Yeah. And then I came back and they released me right after camp. And then I went up there with you. So you got to think about that through that year, through that year alone, through that year alone, I had over over a hundred teammates because I went from Austin to Calgary and then to Oklahoma city. Yeah. All in that same year. And was that Oklahoma? That was, yeah, that was Oklahoma city. It was Oklahoma city because I played two more years in Oklahoma city after that. And yeah. then because the first year, the first year in Oklahoma city, uh, I wound up uh, tearing my MCL. And then I missed like three games and came back. Um, yeah, that was, I had over, I easily had over a hundred teammates just in that year alone. So, and, but, you know, I think of teammates as anybody that I come across in, in the fraternity of football while I'm in yeah. pursuit of, of my goal, whether I'm there for a couple of days, whether they're yes. there for a couple of days, you know, because even within that couple of days, that that fraternity of football makes makes a big impact because it's a small world, but it's a big world. Yeah, and you, you talk about the fraternity of football, and that's that's very interesting because there's not a there's not a lot of people that can make it pro consistently more than three years, and you were one to do it. But before we get into that, let's let's go back to when you were a child. Okay, you had a you had a injury when you were a child that almost set you on a different path. 
Did, what you mean about that? On a different path, almost like laid almost, up in a hospital for the rest of your life. You, you're talking about I had an injury that almost set me on a different path. That injury almost ended my path. Yeah. So what happened? Um, so quick backstory, two-year-old kid, rambunctious, you know, just always into something, mischievous little kid, decided one day he's going to stand on a basketball. Bam. So here I was doing it, standing on a basketball. I don't, I don't really know how long I lasted. Probably didn't last very long. I, I'm pretty sure my mom had told me like three or four times, don't be trying to do that. Don't be trying to stand on it. You're going to hurt yourself. And, and sure enough, I hurt myself. I fell off the basketball. I hit the back of my neck on a cement step, uh, cracked a vertebrae, slipped a disc. So in other words, I broke my neck. Mm. That shouldn't be alive today. And mm. for sure... For sure, no reason should have been playing professional football for nine years, even to mention the fact that it had been playing it since the third grade and never missed a year. Yeah. That's, that's, but that's just so crazy. Does the doctors have any kind of, or does your parents have any kind of recollection of how you healed from that and were able to still? Like how you were in you were in a bed for what six months eight months? I was in the bed for six months. I have a I have a I have a bed sore on the back of my head, a bald spot in the triangle because I was strapped down my chin on my forehead, and I've had maybe maybe an inch and a half wiggle room to either side. And you know, for six months I was that, and then after that I wore a halo, which I had slots drilled in my head i have two dents in my head right now with scars i had to wear the big shoulder piece and it was drilled into my head i had to wear that for a couple months you know having delvin bro on and hearing his story of how he broke his neck in a high school football game and came off the field thought he could go back in the game but he had a broken neck and then you know luckily he didn't because it would have ended his life you know, at two years old to go through that type of traumatic injury and then to be fearless, to step back on the, did the doctors ever think that you wouldn't play or that you shouldn't play? Or no. did your mom, your mom's real protective now. Did she ever say yeah. you're not playing football? <laughs> no, mom's mom's never said I'm not playing anything. Mom's never said I'm not playing anything. Mom's always supported whatever I wanted to do. Um, but at, at two years old, what do you, what do you know about life and death at two years? But I'm just saying as you grow, cause obviously it's, it's going to affect you at three, four, five, like you, you don't just get over something like that, especially when you're, you're, you're just now growing. It's not like know, you're grown and you break a bone yeah, and then it doesn't. What? That, that's what, and to be honest, that's that's what saved me because I was still growing. I was young. If I had been 20 something years old and that happened, I'm done. It's lights out. There's no more. But at two years old, I've got, a, I've got more of a chance than I do at 20 something because I'm still growing. My body's still growing. Everything's still getting bigger. So something like that doesn't really affect that much because as you know when you're younger and you get an, and you get injured you come back a lot faster because your body's yeah. still growing 
and all of that. But when you get older and something happens, it takes a little longer for stuff to get done. So if I had been 20 years old and that happened, might not be walking. No. Yeah. But what do you know at two years old? We you know you all you know is you wake up and want to play. You don't care what you can move, what you can't move. You know, yeah. you want to play. You know, and it when I look back on it. Do you, you have know, any like, recollection of that time? Only only the scrapbook and all the pictures that my grandmother took and my grandmother and my mom put together. All my EKGs, my monitoring, my pictures, all my wristbands, all that stuff with Super Grover on the cover. If you don't know who Super <laughs> Grover is, listen out. <laughs> And you know what? With the new Amazon, I think it's Amazon delivery commercial. With she was dropping off the toilet paper because Super Grover was coming in hot. <laughs> that that's your boy coming in hot. Super Grover all day. That's your boy. That's what I grew up on. I had grow. I had Super Grover sheets. I had Super Grover curtains. Yes, Super Grover coming in hot, kid. That's uh, but you know since then, like Marvin the Martian. Is your favorite? Yeah, it's been because, yeah, because you know I can't get I can't get Super Grover all the time. He only shows up every now and then. You know, <laughs> you know that's like I can't tell you. You know, you know what? All I can tell you is, you know what? You've never seen me and Batman in the same room together. That's all I'm saying. You know, I once said that in the mental ward of a hospital. <laughs> had a serious face. <laughs> that's a, you know we were there. That's another Montreal story I shouldn't tell, but. Um, yeah, and they were just kind of looking at me crazy. Speaking of that, since you're talking about a mental hospital, look, I saw this bit. This might be a little, we'll get back to the subject in a minute, but you gotta check this out. Google this why you should always pay attention in a mental hospital. I watched a video the other day. <laughs> this this cat is minding his own business, sitting in a chair looking at his phone, right? And the caption says why you should always be aware at a mental hospital. And the, the phone comes up and it shows the guy in the chair checking his phone. And then it pans like this way. And it shows this guy who is, he's a patient there, goes through about two layers of chairs, walks right behind him. And I mean, when, when I say he reaches up to like, and felt like he was about to exercise the demons and came across the back of his head. Payow. And the only thing, oh boy, did when after he hit him in the head, he turned around and looked at the camera and he had the biggest smile on his face. And all old boy could do was look like this and had his phone and was looking back and he was like, Hey, just like my old football coach always said, if you're playing special teams and you're on kickoff or punt or kick return or whatever, keep your head on a swivel. That's it. Always Somebody's coming for your head. You always be aware. Always be aware. That's too. <laughs> hey, when you're growing up, when you're growing up, you got to hang around the Texas Rangers. And um, just tell me what kind of influence that had on the rest of your life. I've uh, been around Julio and, and Juan Gonzalez and, and those guys. And 
how much did that impact your life growing up or, and make you believe that you could go do what you did and accomplish? Um, sub uh, 8,000 percent, a million percent, um, because I've, I had I had good and bad experiences with that. Um, my dad sold used cars in Arlington. Um, and he works for a highly Mazda, which was a Mazda place right down the street from Arlington Stadium, where the Texas Rangers play. And he comes home one day and he's like, hey, this guy came in my shop today and he was like, yeah, I'm looking to buy this RX-7. And for those of you that don't know, back in... This was 89, 80s, yeah, yeah, 89, 91, because 92, 92, I was a freshman in high school, so we're talking sixth grade, so maybe 88, 87. The RX 7s was like of the Mazda of the Mazda world, the RX 7s was that. And this guy comes into my dad's place and he's like, Hey, yeah, I'm such and such, such and such for the Texas Rangers. and I buy RX-7s and we're trying to send them over here and fix them and such and such and such. And my dad comes home and my dad's laughing at the guy. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, such and such, such and such. And my dad comes home and he was like, he asked me because I'm a baseball card collector. At that point in time, I collect baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, because I'm a big collector. I'm, you know, uh, average average boy, six, right. seven, eight, you know. Uh, and he comes home and he was like, hey, you know this guy, Ruben Sierra? He came into my shop today and he told me that he played for the Rangers and all this other stuff. And I was like, hold on, Dad. You're talking about Ruben Sierra? And I was like, yeah, I know him. And I was spitting out stats. Spitting out stats. I was like, he's the youngest player to ever hit a home run from both sides of the plate in the game and all this other stuff. And I was just my favorite player, such and such. And my dad stepped back. He's like, really? So I got to meet these guys. Um, and they taught me how to be a professional and how not to be a professional. I saw both sides of it. Um, yeah. I love, now here's the thing. I love Ruben Sierra. I, I love him because of his competitiveness and, and everything he played, else. He played past 42. He's great competitor. Yeah, great that was player. Julio. Julio played past 42. We hadn't yeah. got to Julio yeah. yet. We hadn't got to Julio yet. We Juan Gonzalez is always my favorite. Hey, and we will get to one. You know, they all used to come to the house. They all used to come to the house. They drive their uh, Lotuses, all their all the big cars to the house. And, you know, and we didn't have no big house, but everybody wanted to know who's driving through the neighborhood in this, you know. Um, but... My dad knew that Ruben was my favorite player, and my dad had personal things with Ruben. Um, and one night after the game, the Rangers won. The Rangers won, and Ruben had a bad night. He had a bad night. Um, and I just so happened to bring my card that night, the Ruben Sierra rookie card um, that talks about him hitting – be the youngest person to hit a home run from both sides of the plate in a single game. Mm. And, and I went to Ruben and I was like, Hey, will you sign my card? And he was like, no, no, no. And just walked away. And I went to my dad 
And I said, Dad, I just tried to get Ruben to sign my card and he wouldn't sign my card. And <laughs> my dad's no big guy. You see my dad, you know. Yeah. Tony, Ruben had, he, he's yeah, a New York yeah. Jets fan, so he's you don't know. It's Tony from New York. <laughs> He's the only he's the only house in Dallas, or I'm sorry, he's the only house in Fort Worth, West Fort Worth, Bimberg, Texas, in that area that the house is trimmed in New York Jet Green, also known as Central Park Green. <laughs> um, so don't come to my dad's house thinking that you're gonna watch any game on Sunday if the Jets are playing. Don't care who's playing. If the Jets no, are playing, that's care. what you're watching. No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, shout out to Tony on that. Love you, Dad. And Shirley Gray. Uh, and Shirley Gray, I love you too. <laughs> um, so he went to Ruben and he gave him the business in, in Spanish. And he was like, how dare you not sign my kid's card and all this other stuff and send the sunsets. And when I asked my dad about it, he was like, well, Ruben was like, he, he didn't want to sign any cards because he felt like he didn't contribute to the team's win tonight. And being as competitive as we are you know me and you we're competitive you know I felt that I felt that I felt that you know I felt that but then as I started as I got started playing professional and started playing arena you know we got to stay out with the fans after the game you know we got to sign autographs and they always limited to a certain amount of time you had 45 minutes to get whatever, and then it's done. Well, yep. that, when I thought of that, that took me back to that time when he told me no, because he didn't have a bad game. He had a bad game and he didn't help contribute to the team win and how that made me feel. So I learned how to be a professional and how not to be a professional. I love Ruben to death. I love Ruben Sierra to death to this day. But after that, and then when I started playing, I never left the field into whoever wanted my autograph got it, no matter how good I played or how bad I played. Because even if I played bad and these people were coming up and asking for my autograph, they're supporting me even though I failed miserably, the team might've won, the team might've lost and I did nothing. They still took the time to stay here and want my autograph, even though you know what? I played like crap. Let's, let's stay here for a second. Cause I just want to say this, coming to Bozier, coming to Tulsa, watching you and, and you're right. You know, they'd make everybody go in. You're still out there signing stuff. You're, you're hugging kids and taking pictures of people and you're doing everything. And for me at that age, being in high school, um, and then when I went into college, still coming to Bozier games and stuff. Um, and even when, when I would drive to Austin, right? All these experiences that I have and I remember, you know, those are some of the things I remember most, not just the highlights on the field, uh, not just the touchdowns, but it was always the way you made people feel. Like you made people feel great about being there. And one thing you taught me was it's not just enough to be a good athlete. You got to put people in the stands and you 
And there's certain people that can, there's certain people that can't. You can be a great player and nobody will want to, I can watch you on TV. But there's certain people that you say, you know what? I got to see this person live, Mike Tyson. I got to see this live. I don't want to watch this on TV. There's just certain people that you want to watch live. And, and you are one of those people. And, you know, through my career and most everybody knows me now as this super fan engaging guy that, that goes to the tailgates, does everything before the games, that's hanging out with all the fans. Hey, and speaking of that, speaking of that, I love going to the Nick Lewis Nation tailgate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> shout out to the Nick Lewis Nation tailgate. Shout out, Brock. Love shout it. out everybody. I didn't I didn't get to have the tailgate opportunity in where I played, but we did have the Fontaine Fanatics, but we didn't have the tailgate opportunity like Nick Lewis Nation, but I love the Nick Lewis Nation. Shout out to that. Yeah, because you you had the Fanatics. I have the Lunatics. And, um, but no, it just just goes to show that, you know, I learned all those things from you. Like I learned just by sitting there watching you, I learned how to be a pro by watching you. I learned how to be, more than just an athlete by watching you. So, you know, hearing that story, I've never heard that story before. You never so heard hearing, that story no. about the Ruben story? No. Like, so yeah. hearing that story makes so much sense. And then I see how you were and then how I was or still am and how you still are. But it just makes so much sense how that just came full circle. And, you know, the reason why I am the way I am is because of you. You know what and you mentioned you mentioned Julio earlier. Yeah. Julio Franco, who is the person to be the oldest person to play in an MLB game. We're talking 40 something years old playing. Batting champion at the time in that same year. Julio Franco was the batting champion for the American League. Yeah. And when I say I learned how to be a pro and how not to be a pro. In that same year, don't get me wrong, Ruben Sierra is a professional. He and and the one thing that, that gravitated to me and why I don't fault him for that is because of my competitiveness. And you know yep. your competitiveness. You know how you know if you don't contribute to a team win or a team loss, you're you're in a different mood. You know, you're in a different mood, you know. And especially and, when you you're younger know. too. When you're younger, like when I was younger, yeah, I, I would take it out on other people. Like, I would be like, you know what? The fans sign autographs, do whatever I got to do. But then everybody else didn't want to be around. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be around Nick. Just like I remember after we lost the 2012 Great Cup, my dad was like, I don't know if we should be around him or what. And I came out laughing and smiling because of the experience, right? But since we talk about your dad, uh, shout out to Lee Ray, Roll Tide. I'll never be broke. Shout out to Lee Ray, Roll Tide. I'll never be broke on that note. So, <laughs> just oh, pick the right out. one, Lee Ray. Pick the right one, Lee Ray. Shout out to Lee Ray. Pick the right one. <laughs> but back to Julio. Yeah. So you know Julio, Julio, because at the time Julio had no kids. He had no kids. Julio looked at me like, like I was his kid. 
So here I am, a freshman, a freshman in high school, uh, and I'm coming out, and I've got a $300 glove that they use in Major League Baseball that he gets for free that he just gives me. Mm. And I'm out there on the baseball field, and I don't even play infield. I'm just taking grounders with it, bam, 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 because he's seen my glove. Because I'm coming out of little league, and I and I play shortstop and second base in little league, and I got this big glove. I'm talking like an outfielder's glove that I'm using it. And Julio's like, you, you don't make a lot of errors in that glove. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't make errors. What are you talking about? <laughs> you overcompensate. So he's like, All right. yeah. So he's like, all right. So then he, then like the next week, he shows up in the house in the Lotus and he's like, hey, I got something for you. And he gives me this Wilson A2000. And we're talking a Wilson A2000 in, in 1989. You, that's, nobody's heard of that in high school. They don't even, it wasn't even that. No, everybody wanted something else. And when I brought it out, my boys, when I told when I told some of my boys on my baseball team where I got it yeah. and how much it cost, they laughed at me. They was like, "Oh, where'd you get that from?" And they laughed at me and all this other stuff. And I was like, "Oh, you don't know." And then once they got out of high school and went to college, they was like, "Oh man, I got this this Wilson A two thousand." I was like, "Oh, like the same one I showed you in high school that you told me." <laughs> yeah. So Julio showed me, Julio showed me how to be a pro. So did Ruben. Ruben showed yeah. me how to be a pro also. But you know who never, never said no to an autograph, no matter what? Who's that? Nolan Ryan. Really? I figured Nolan would be cool. Nolan Ryan signed whatever. Signed whatever. Didn't care. Rangers hadn't won since Nolan left. But the only thing, the only, the only thing that Nolan was, Nolan had. Nolan had it when he came out of the clubhouse. He's walking. He's not walking fast. He's just walking. And he's walking from there until he gets to his car on the other side of the gate. And whoever he gets to by then, you get it. And it was that was Nolan. What are you gonna say? This guy's got seven no hitters. Who's gonna tell you? What are you talking about? Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Who dude? Who's the greatest pitcher of all time? Nolan Ryan. Who's second? Um, um, I, I don't even know why it's taking me so long to say his name. What team? The Yankees. Rivera, Mariano Rivera. Rivera. Mariano Rivera? Yeah. Mariano Rivera. Decada. Decada. I gave him Decada. <laughs> That's what he said, Decada. Period. Hands down. No questions asked. No questions asked. You got Nolan. Look, there's there's nobody else that's going to have as many strikeouts as Nolan. There's nobody else that's going to be throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs at 40 something. Yeah. There is nobody else that's going to throw seven no hitters. Seven. We're not going to talk about the ones that he lost in the late innings because somebody made an error or something like that. We won't talk about that. We're seven no hitters. Seven, seven, seven. <laughs> you, you, you know how? Uh, you, are you still a big fa baseball fan? You still yes. watch baseball? Yes. Seven, seven, seven. Who's the best pitcher seven. today? To, oh, 
Um, you know, there, there's a kid on the rise. There's a kid on the rise. Um, and you know what? They, and people are going to say I'm biased. He, he might not be the best pitcher out there, but there's a kid on the rise that's, that, that's got something. Shout out to my boy, DeMond Dabney, because it's his nephew, and he just so happens to pitch for the Texas Rangers. And really? if y'all haven't, haven't seen this kid, Taylor Hearn, throw that pill, he'll hit Taylor 95. Hearn. Taylor Hearn, he'll hit 95, 96, 97. Is he a starter, a reliever? It, he, he should be a starter. He's in the rotation. He's in the rotation. He's look. He's in the rotation, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a Texas Rangers fan, Taylor Hearn is in the starting rotation for the Rangers. He he has days that you will consistently see him on the hill. Go check him out. Go check him out. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm not saying he's the best. The best nowadays. I I you can't. I don't know because I'm biased. I'm biased yeah. because you know. At least you can recognize your bias. In, in our, in in our era, in our era, pitchers threw complete games. How many pitchers today throw complete games? Well, it's None. all analytics and everything. Now it's like, who's the one pitcher that never pitched that was in the who played in championship last year, but he never pitched past seven innings, and they take him out and they end up losing the game. Yeah, it, it's what pitch was that? Was that Cole? Was that Cole? Or who was that was a year or two I ago? I think they that, took him yeah. out and he I never. It, it's, all, it's all analytics. Back in the day, leave him. Leave him. Because how many, I mean, even back in Kurt Schilling's day, Kurt Schilling was still throwing complete games. Randy Johnson was still throwing complete games. Um, tell me, tell me how many pitchers in the last three years have thrown complete games in Major League Baseball? Yeah. And that's what some of those things that never be touched. That those those exactly. records won't be touched. So, unless the only reason why somebody's gonna leave them in a complete game is if they have a chance for a no hit. And then and then at that point in time when they get to the innings, they're gonna be like, Oh, what's his pitch count? Oh, well, he, he can't go over his pitch count. Okay, well, get well you're paying you're paying Look. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna protect your investment, right? You don't. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah, you're gonna protect your investment, right? That Tommy John surgery is is not a you know, it's not it's something not to play it, with. You know, and you know what? But here, here, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Tommy John is not something to play with. But the more that it happens, the less impactful it will be. Yeah, because you're going to come back from it quicker and quicker. And they're going to think about yeah. it. The more that it happens, the more times they get to do it. And then it was like it the ACL back 20 years ago. I was just about to tell you the ACL, yeah. the ACL 10 years ago, you're done. You're not playing any. 10 years ago, you, you ACL, you're done. You're not playing ever again. Now we got Adrian Peterson, ACL, Six comes months. back, rushes for 2,000 yards, rushes for 2,000 yards. Yeah, it's it's not the same in within within Steve the, Smith Jr. when he three, tore his, he actually went from a four four to a four three guy. I mean, look, it's yeah. within the next three three to seven years, Tommy John 
is going to be like uh, Henry Rowan Gardner. Henry Rowan Gardner. <laughs> yes. And shout, and out Henry Rowan shout out to Henry Rowan Gardner and the Cubs for taking a chance on the young guy that <laughs> just had something for a little bit. <laughs> well, switching the tune for a minute. You played, let's we'll just skip high school and college from now. We'll have to do a, a round two. We'll, we'll do a part two for the high school and college because yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that went on in there because yes. through high school through high school now we are even even more related because we got Roddy. Yes. You know, and cousin Roddy, 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 cousin Roderick Manuel, you 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 were a big impact on me, but you could never you couldn't touch me. Stop playing, man. Don't even act like that. Um because I was younger than you, and when we talk about Roderick Manuel, we're talking about six, seven. Yeah, played for the Steelers. Yeah, played for the Steelers. Played D line for the Steelers. Played D line for Oklahoma. But for us, he played outside linebacker. He was out there just wrecking cats, kid. And I'm like, oh, we're talking about the same era. Look here, we're talking about the same era that Jesse Armstead was coming out of Dallas. Yeah, that Dallas that team. I don't know who Jesse Armstead was. Go back and look up Jesse Armstead for the Giants. Then yeah. when you talk about when you talk about Friday Night Lights, for anybody that's ever seen the movie Friday Night Lights, and that was like a semifinal game. It wasn't even the championship game when they lost to Dallas it, Carter. That was, and it was a blowout. It, exactly. That was the championship game. That was the game that everybody wanted to see. Nobody wanted to see the other game after that. That was the game that everybody wanted to see. We're talking about a high school team that had 18 or 20-something. Roy, Roy Williams' brother played on that. Us, um, Roy Williams, the receiver, his brother played on the uh, Odessa team, yeah, Odessa I mean, Permian team. That yeah. high school team was was ridiculous. And we're was not that 12, about, 12 D1 guys in the, no, was, in the I 90s? I think it was more than 12 just that year. I think it was more yeah, than 12. Yeah, just that year. That year. It was more than 12 just that year. We're talking. Dallas Carter. Have you seen the talking, movie? Yeah. Have you seen the movie where yes. about all of them going to jail from robbing people? They play games and they robbing everybody. Yes. And then yes. Je uh, Jesse, they let the judge tell Jesse he better go and never come back. Yes. And but when you he know left, yeah. My freshman year, my freshman year, my freshman year, Jesse Armstead's cousin was my running back. And we ran the wishbone. Oh, we ran wishbone. Oh, yeah. He looked just like Jesse Armstead at Miami. And he was in high school. And he played running back. And he was fast, happy. Have, we called him happy. Happy Armstead. He had a little curl on the top. Yeah, he had a little curl on the top. He was smooth, GQ. Yeah, he was that guy. I, I already knew. If I didn't like the way he looks at the line, hey, guess what? I'm audible and happy you get the ball. We're going 26 power right here. Bam. Touchdown. Let's get it to him. Yeah, touchdown. Yahtzee. So we're going to have a part two to tell all the high school stories. And college yeah, we'll schools. get back. Can we get in all the – I want to get to how many arena teams you play for and name the cities. Does that include the tryouts and spending a couple of days and everything there? No, just the ones you stayed in. The ones I stayed in? Okay. Um, 
Let's see. Number one off the bat, we got Treeport. First year. Treeport, Boise City, yep. Second year, Boise, Idaho. Yep. Second year, Boise, Idaho. Third year, I was in Roanoke, Virginia. And for those of you that don't know about Roanoke, Virginia, if you've ever heard for real, you're talking about there's nothing to do in Virginia but cook. That's all there is to do. There's nothing to do in Roanoke. It's, there's nothing there. Um, um, after Roanoke, I went to Tulsa. No, 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 no. Correction. After Roanoke. So I played seven games in Roanoke. After Roanoke, I went to Buffalo. I went from Buffalo. Arena 2 to Buffalo to the Bills. Yeah. Um, I left. I left there. And I went to Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Gladiators, their first year here. Okay. Uh, I, I got cut during camp. And then from there, from there, that's the time that we, me and you and Myron and everybody decided we were going to St. Patty's Day in Deep Ellum. Yes. Remember that? We had the camcorder and everything. And Myron that's when, didn't go, I don't think, because oh, I took Myron's Bowling. ID. Rolling win. You took Myron's ID, rolling win. Yeah. And everything. We were out there. And that's when that's when Moan called me. What's up, Razor? Shout out to Razor. Moan called me and he Razor was like, Moan. he was like, Hey, what's up? Are you coming to play in Tulsa? I was like, Yeah, I'm coming. He was like, Well, we got we start camp tomorrow. And I was like, I'm not going to camp. I'll be there week one of the game. And he was like, What? And I was like, Yeah, I'm I'm partying right now. Deep Ellum. Skip in Dallas. We get to do Skip. Shout out to shout out to Skip Foster, man. His dad passed away this year. And if for those of you who don't know, Skip's dad, Dick Foster, coached at Coffeeville Community College and won multiple national championships and put multiple kids in Division One football. Out of Coffeeville is like one of the top JUCOs in the nation every year. Yeah. So shout out to Dick. That's Foster. where Deron went. Deron Carter yeah. went to Coffeeville. Shout Shout out to Dick Foster, uh, Skip Foster, and them, because the first time I got to meet Skip's dad, he told me, he was like, man, I was worried because you're a slim frame, and Skip was telling me about what you're playing and all this other stuff, and he was like, then I got to see you play, and I was like, yeah, he got it. So shout out to Dick Foster. Um, he, he just passed away a couple months ago. Um, shout out to Skip. Um we got it in. We did it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I went from Tulsa. Um, after Tulsa, I went to Arena. You won the championship. Yeah, won I the won championship. the championship in Tulsa. Um, Skip got the head coaching job and Skip got the head coaching job in Austin. I went to Austin. I played two years in Austin. Um, then after that, I went to Calgary. Then I went to Oklahoma City. Played two more years in Oklahoma City. Two thousand seven. Had my daughter. Was gonna took a year off because I wanted to be there for my daughter. After that, a team couldn't pay me enough money to be away from my daughter. Yeah. It gets hard. It gets hard at that point. What was your it favorite does. city to live in? Um, Out of those teams you, you played for? Man, my favorite city to live in has to be Austin. Oh, wait, I forgot a city. Well, I forgot a city because well, I well, went to Chicago too. I played yeah, in Chicago. I went to Chicago. I went from Buffalo to You Chicago. played for Grand Rapids too, didn't you? 
No, I just played. Uh, I played against Grand Rapids because we had oh. a lot of home plays. Roddy, Roddy played for Grand Rapids. As a matter of fact, Roddy played for Grand Rapids. Yeah, I gave Grand Rapids the business that night. Just to let y'all know. <laughs> yeah, Roddy, Roddy, you, you. I don't think you've beat me yet since we played against each other. Just we're just gonna throw that in there. So take Austin out of it. What's the favorite place outside of Austin? Because obviously Boise. Austin, Boise, Boise, sleeper town of America, Boise, Idaho, Boise, like Idaho. Boise Idaho. But look, for what was all your best? What's your favorite place to visit? Um, to like go to like go and play. Yeah, if you stayed tonight. Oh, I've got three. I got three. Name them. Um, Atlanta, number one, Atlanta, number one, because Atlanta, number one, it was, Atlanta is off the chain. Um, I met, um, I got to meet up again with Robert Thomas in Atlanta because he yep. played for the Georgia Austin. force who was oh, also, yep. he was the fullback for Emmett Smith for, yep four or five years for the Dallas Cowboys who helped him reach his all-time rushing status. Robert Thomas, AKA Red Rock was in Atlanta. Awesome. Took me out and I, in Texas I, too. Yes. Yes. I, I had Bruce ribs that night in the game because shout out to uh, Kevin, Kevin Gaines, uh, KG, who, who was a big hitter. He, he, he put them, uh, that face mask right in my rib cage that night. Shout out to KG. You got your boy that night, but I finished the game. Holla at your boy. You didn't take me out. <laughs> so Atlanta's number one. Atlanta's Two. number one. Um, Tampa. 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 Playing, playing against Tampa Bay Storm in Tampa. Good times. Good times. We the food, the atmosphere, because everything's on the beach. You can't go nowhere that's not on the beach. No matter if you go to a restaurant, it's on the pier, it's on something. Tampa was good. Um, the next one, the next one's kind of a toss up. It's kind of a toss up. Um, L.A. and Portland. See, I've always wanted to go to Portland. I've never been to L.A. either, but I've always wanted to go to Portland. I just think Portland is – but then I talked to Drew Tate, and Drew just tells me it's like a grunge city. It is. But I, I, still, is. I still think it's kind of like my vibe. But, you know, Portland – Portland is – Portland was nice. Portland was nice. We went to Portland. Portland was my – Portland was the first place that I actually played in arena where – actual true stars of a sport played yeah um and the reason that the reason why i like portland and la are for the same reasons when we went to portland we, i got to play in the rose garden in portland which is where at the time the trailblazers played yep now at that time we're talking john kemp Gary Payton. Um, these people have played in these areas. In, yeah. in this area. Scotty Pippen, not Gary Payton, Scotty Pippen, because this was after Scotty left the Bulls and he went. Yeah, to well, Scotty, you had Jerome Kersey, uh, yes. Clyde Drexler, Terry Clyde Ford, Drexler, Clyde the Gladiator. This, this was my first time stepping in a place where I've watched actual people perform and do dynamite. 
dude, just like I was in awe watching these people perform in this building. I'm in awe. And, you know, this is the first time that I actually went over the wall and flipped over the wall, all kinds of other stuff. Probably, probably should have been broken neck again. Because you, you wanted to go all out in there. You know, hey, it was you know, like playing in Madison Square Garden. When I look, when I played, when I got to play in the Staples Center, when I when I walked into the Staples Center, I was like, "This is where Shaq and Kobe won championships. This is where Magic won championships. This is where Wilt played. This is where Kareem played. You know, this these are the names that are running through my head as I'm yeah. stepping into this arena. You know, played so on I'm the same like, floor. Yeah, you know, on the same. Yeah, I'm in the same the same space where greatness has happened you know and i got to play in the palace at auburn hills when i got to play against the detroit, detroit Spirit, which was which was arguably one of the best games i've ever had in the history of playing arena against the detroit fury which was my second game to ever start at offensive specialist i'm walking into the palace of auburn hills and the only thing i can think about is this is where the bad boys played. This is where they they basically ruled their conference in this same arena. Yeah. Glenn Beard, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas. You know, the list goes on. Vinny. Yeah. Icebox, they, Johnson. You know, they, these guys didn't take nothing from nobody. Marco So you got you to already imagine that my mindset when I'm walking in there. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't Vinny's icebox. It was Vinny's microwave. My bad. Vinny's microwave. You know, but you, so <laughs> you know, that box. already he, he ain't he ain't go. He heating up. He so he step on the court. He heating up. He heating up. As soon as I walk in the arena, I'm hot. I'm ready. You know, so that that sets my mindset for, you know, when I play in when I went to play in the Staples Center. You know, the mama mentality. You know that's, and. When I went to Detroit, that was a whole different story because we were getting killed after the first three drives, four drives. We were getting killed. We hadn't scored a point. We hadn't even scored a point. We hadn't even moved the ball. Yeah. I'm getting yelled. I'm getting yelled at on the sideline by my head coach and my quarterback. You need to get off the press. You need to get off the press. Cool. I'm letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. Bam. And I'm like, you know what? The next time they come up and press, this is what we're doing. We're going best move to the house. Oh, what's that? And I was like, that's where they come up and press. I give him my best move. You throw the ball to the house and I go get it. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, we'll see. So sure enough, kid, hey, they kick the ball off. Bam. They kick it in. They kick it in the slack net because they don't want to kick your boy the ball. They no, they ain't finna kick your boy the ball. That That's not going to happen. They just, no. So we get the ball on the five. So we got 45 yards to go. Sure enough, we got short motion because there ain't a lot of room. They come up and all press. Hey, already best move to the house. One play, what happened? 45 yard touchdown. Bam. You know what that started? That was the birth of John Cena. That was the birth of that. You can't see. So bam. They come, they come back, they come down and score. Sure enough, they kick the ball off. Ben, if we turn it out to like the 10 or like the maybe like the 12, 13, they come back and all press again. Guess what happened? Yahtzee, strike up the band. So at the end of the night, your, your boy had seven catches, 
205 yards, five touchdowns. And we're talking about it's a, 50, it's a 50 yard field. It's That's a 50 yard field. So we won that game 70 to 51, by the way. We came back and beat the brakes off of Detroit Fury. And they folded that next year. So I would like to say that my stat line made them fold. Just going to put that on record. <laughs> as a matter of fact. Where did Pete, where did Pete fact, coach at? As a, as a Pete coach in Albany. But as a matter of fact, Nick, as a matter of fact, you had you had a, uh, you had an offensive coach. You had an offensive coach in Calgary. Remember when I went up there and we were walking through the office and I was talking to Dave and I was talking to Huff and there was an offensive, there was a defensive coach that coached for Detroit because we were sitting in the office. And remember. Oh, um, I think it was missing. Yeah. That's only missing. Yeah, and Dave and Dave and Pete pull out the little playbook that they gave me that we were reading. I was laughing and all this other stuff. <laughs> boom. And he was like, Yeah, I coached for Detroit and such and such and such. And I was like, Oh, you did. <laughs> and then that's when I I I, I, I was like, Pete, hand me that dry erase marker. And I wrote the stat line up there on the thing. And I was like, Does that ring a bell? And he was like, No. And I was like, Oh, that's my stat line against y'all. At the Palace of Auburn Heroes. Seven catches, 205 yards, five touchdowns. You know what that means? That means you just throw me the ball as a touchdown. And I said, I don't know what made you think that y'all could run man press defense against me all night, but that you should have changed something up. After the third one, you, you should have change changed something. Hey, the DB coach was telling him, no, you're doing good. You're doing good. No, he's not. He's not he's even not. close. Look at, look at the film. Look at the film. You just let a guy get 205 yards on seven catches on a 50-yard field, and he had five touchdowns. Were you even out there? I don't, I don't understand. Looking back at it all, you know, from high school, college, pros, everything you've accomplished, everything you've done, winning a championship, just what do you think about it now? Like going from the broken neck at two, to right now, when you look back and think about everything you accomplished, like, what's the feeling? Never should have been there. Never should have done it. Not as in the aspect as I wouldn't do it all over again, but in the aspect as there, I shouldn't have even been on this earth, much less. Yeah much less play football from the third grade all the way until you're 30 something and get yeah. paid to do it for nine years out of that, get a full ride scholarship to play college football and then go beyond that and play nine more years of professional that should have never happened. Should have never happened, but wouldn't change it for anything. Wouldn't change it for anything. And are you happy my, with it? Yes, wouldn't change it. I'm happy with it because a lot of my high school teammates don't know this. Now, when I was in high school, my junior and senior year combined, we won two games. You learn more from a loss than you ever will from a win. My record for my junior and senior in high school, I was two and 18. I learned more about myself and resiliency and just doing what you have to do in those two years 
of my high school that I ever learned in playing any football after that. Mm. My it, mom it's hard, always, it's hard to show up and lose. It's hard to, it's show, hard up to show up and lose. It's hard to show up and lose. My mom always told me, don't look at the scoreboard. Play the game until there's zeros. You don't look at the scoreboard. Don't look at the scoreboard. You play the game until there's zeros, so there's no time left. And a lot of my high school teammates don't know this, that finished with me um, all from freshmen to seniors. Um, shout out to my old line in high school. Uh, man, Michael Pate, Charles Jones, Steve Miller, and whoever else I missed. But you, you three guys were, you guys were the reason why I kept playing after because you guys That's believed amazing. in me. you guys believed in me just as much as my mom and everything else. And no matter what I said to you guys on the field, yelling at y'all, whatever, you guys showed up for me day in and day out. And you guys put it, Dean Grant, Dean Grant, you're another one. I can't forget about you and your dad because you guys have been there for a long time since Pee Wee football, Dean Grant. Um, you and your dad have been there for a long time. Um, you guys battled with me. And no matter what I said or did to you, you guys showed up day in and day out and you believed in me. And so every snap from college to professional and everything, a lot of that was for you guys. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. You, you know exactly what I'm saying. You because carry other guys, people because you, guys you, you, you carry these, these people that you see them grind, at, you see them They work. looked for me. They looked at me for four years to lead them. And, you know, back in that time, there was a movie that came out called The Program. Yeah. There's a movie that came out called The Program, and their quarterback's name was Joe Kane. Joe Kane. There was a certain scene in the movie that got deleted back in the day because they were laying in the middle of the street while cars were passing by on the on the lane. And they deleted it because some kids tried that and got hit by cars and they wouldn't show it anymore. So back in the day when I was in high school, these guys used to call me Joe Kane Fontaine, are you gonna lead us to the promised land? Mm. And that's what they said in the movie. And Joe Kane's response was, I'm gonna lead, are you gonna follow? And you know what, damn sure, these guys followed me. No matter where we went, no matter what I asked, no matter what the thing was, they followed me for a very long time. And I went back from these guys we're talking, played with and against them from middle school through high school. And these guys, these, these guys, Michael Pate wrote me a letter um, back in the day and he was like, hey, I want to let you know. Shout out to Michael Pate, his wife. January Sanford Pate and his kids down in Waco. They're doing big things with D1 Waco for training and everything. So if you're in Waco and you get network, um, holler at Michael Pate and his and his facility and that 100%. stuff, and they'll get you. They'll 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 help you out. Um, he wrote me a letter uh, years ago uh, and told me that I was the greatest player that he ever had the privilege to play with, which which threw me back which set me back because I know the people that he's played with. This is a guy that was an old lineman for Dominique Rhodes at Midwestern State University, who Dominique Rhodes later became a Super Bowl champion for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, played with the Montreal Alouettes after the Colts. He's sitting here telling me that I was the greatest player that he's ever had the privilege to play with. Little does he know 
that I was playing all those years and stuff and everything for him, for Michael Payne, for Charles Jones, for Dean Grant, for Stephen Miller, for Chris Kiefer, for everybody that was on my team in high school that that did that, that believed that in me, that always, yeah. even the older guys, the J.P. McFarlands, the Curtis Mickey, who who were beasts when I was a sophomore, and we we got I got to win district as a sophomore in district seven five eight, which was one of the toughest districts in North Texas. We got we we went to Sprague Field and we battled Dallas Kimball in a scrimmage and got into an all-out brawl. These guys that helped shape me who I am, I played everything from then on out for these guys. And then to come and find out that I wound up playing against people like Roddy that I went to school with. And then come to find out now he's my cousin and and all this other stuff. You remember Kelsey and Malin. Yeah. Those were my running backs back in the day. And me and training Malin's son. Yeah. Isaiah, who's um, now a bodybuilder. Yeah, you know, and shout out to my boy, uh, Marvin Jimerson, man. Marvin's been with me since I started playing football, since the third grade. Marvin and Chris Kiefer. Marvin's been with me since the third grade. Since the third grade, I've either played with Marvin or against Marvin all the way up until my sophomore year in junior college. From, from the rooter to the tutor, Marvin has been there with me from, from day one. Yeah. Um, and Marvin decided to go to the Air Force after JUCO. Uh, many years in the Air Force, retired, he was a drill sergeant. So Marvin put in his work. Shout out to Marvin, I'm glad you're still with us, my man, because Marvin was in Afghanistan when everything jumped off. Um, so I'm glad you're still with us. Marvin is now a pro bodybuilder and he's getting it in. So if y'all, anybody wants to go check out, he'll, you know, and if anybody that's listening here, that's in the armed forces and has anything that they want to talk about or anything, man, holler at my boy, Marvin, a very inspirational guy. He's been through a lot, done a lot through his life. Um, like my brother, he, like I say, been playing with me since I was in third grade. Since I first strapped on the helmet when I never should have been. You know, it's crazy. Like, I heard this other Hall of Famer. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to mess it up, right? Um, But he was saying that how he had kind of given up hope of the Hall of Fame, and now it happened. But everything came rushing back to it. Right. The the passion, the inspiration that you played with, that you have for other people, it showed through in everything you did on the field. I appreciate. I mean, I mean, for me, never about me, you know, because I was getting to play a kids' game. You know, I get to go out here and play kids. But games. but it was so much more. It was so much more impactful to for me. Well, you know what I told you. I told you years ago, man. I told you years ago when you won your first Grey Cup. I left you that message in the morning. 
that morning, that morning of your the first Grey Cup. You know what the oh, funny thing about you that? Left. You know what the funny thing about that Grey Cup is? <laughs> you you left me a message, great message, and then um, I still had it on my phone. I never erased off my phone, and um, that's the way tonight. But Cope, Cope gets a call from Peyton Man. <laughs> hey, we'll get to that, Cope. Hey. Because hey, Peyton, me Peyton calls Cope. Peyton calls Cope and says, "Hey, you got a great cup today, huh?" He goes, "Good luck." And they were talking. They talked for like 15, 20 minutes. And I, because Cope calls him Archie, yeah. And um, hey. so then I'm like, "Who is he talking to over here?" Like, he gets on the phone I'm like, "Oh, who was that?" He goes, "Oh, that was Peyton." Like it wasn't that, but you know, when you play three years together. Yeah, when you play three years together, when you're that guy for him, you know, and that's the same thing that uh because you know Marcus Nash lives out here. Yep. And that was that was Pay that was Peyton's other guy. Yep. So it's a, it's a small circle. It's um it's something that you know we never know who we affect. Never you know, know, from Cedric Thornton when I was there at Southern Arc and when I met Cedric for the first time after he was drafted by the Eagles in the second round and playing for the Cowboys and at the spring game, I went to watch AJ play and he told me, he says, you know what? I looked at your picture every day. He goes, it was you that gave me the belief that I could do what I do now. He goes, I've never met you before, but just by seeing your picture every day inspired me to be better than I was. You never know, right. man. And we always have a a great influence and, in, 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 you know, hearing that Ruben Sierra story earlier really touched base. And, you know, um, you're my idol. I, I've watched you do it. Um, well, you did it better than you know, me, everything, man. But, you know, everything. But, you know, the student is supposed to be better than the teacher. I mean, that's the only no, way it's supposed to work. But you know what? When you, when you play, when you were playing for your second Grey Cup, I called you again, and that's when I told you I was like, "Hey, I there's nothing else I can say. There's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else I can tell you. You're, I, you you passed me. You're better but than you know, I ever thought about being. That's so. But you but you've been so inspirational. And then so supportive through everything. I right? appreciate it, man. And I I'm glad it. that we got part one for you to share part of your story because I think it's so impactful for kids. I think it's so impactful for people to understand that life is not a single line. It's not a direct path. It's There's a lot nothing's of different never, things that happen. But the influence and the impact that you can have yeah. is, is amazing. Your, your life's not pre pre-planned predestined because your choices and stuff that you make change everything because i could have easily not been the person i am today because i broke my neck and decided i don't want to play football i don't want to do anything yeah because of that factor i could have easily not been this guy in front of you but i've also could still been a guy that's not in front of you because of that same thing yeah but you never know you know, your, your, your path's not predetermined. You never know what, just because things, things are going bad right now, it doesn't mean because you wouldn't, you wouldn't go through nothing if you couldn't handle it. And yep. that's basically what I feel because I've had injuries. I've had all kinds of other stuff, 
we're talking two Achilles, an orbital fracture, after all of that other stuff. So numerous concussions, we won't get into that. That's probably why the way I am today, because I'm just <laughs> all over. So well, I can't <laughs> wait to I can't wait to come to Vegas and celebrate this this achievement with you. Because you know, I can't wait to go to Ontario because I'm getting ready to book the tickets. I'm not even waiting anymore. Well, we I'm gotta wait till they book when the they book it. When they when they look when the official season starts, we book it everything. So we're gonna have a party. Right. We're gonna celebrate it. And um, look, yeah, look right now. You know what? Right now, the attendance to the schedule it says November twenty first. Yeah, I seen that for the great that's tentative schedule. So you know, the last time I went to Canada, that was kind of the same weekend, and it was my birthday weekend, and things got out of hand. There. It was, took it was my onesie. I did. So I plan on taking another onesie when I come back this so we, so we better get some new ones. You know what? I've been looking. I've been thinking about these new onesie ideas. And, and I've been thinking. I think. I really think that we should. There should be a, a onesie set that has like all of the munchkins from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> did I, what, wait was, was that was that right did i use did i use the right thing because look i got into this conversation the other day and i was told i was politically incorrect because you know what and it's this is partly your fault this is partly your fault and look for all y'all that don't know i got to go because i'm about to tell the story right now all of y'all that don't know i got to go to montreal and I got to watch Nick play in Montreal. Loved Montreal, loved the city, great city, great people, loved everything about it. So now I'm in Montreal for like, I've already been there like three, four days and it's been a great time already. So there's like one day left. And then I find out, now I'm not trying to offend anybody, but there you can rent midgets in Montreal. Little people. Midgets, little, little people. But they, but call, it's called, they, call, they call midget. They, get, they call it rent a midget. It's called rent a midget. That's the website. Yeah. It's called rent a midget. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that they're midgets. I'm just saying the website is called rent a midget. So, and then I was like, I'm so upset with you right now because we could have done this. And the amount of things that we could have done, we could have put him in a black tie suit put him on a big size horse and all of us could have been on Shetland ponies and get a, gave him a 10 gallon cowboy hat. And we could have had little cowboys hat and we could have rode through downtown Montreal and been like his security detail. Nobody would have known what was going on. We would have been the talk of Montreal for a whole day. I guess that's saying. what we're doing for the great cup. Oh, Ontario. I hope y'all are ready. I hope you're Hamilton, ready. Ontario. I hope Y'all are ready because there's about to be invasion of the Lewis Lunatics that's coming this year for Grey Cup. And it's there's going to be them. one of the greatest ever because there's only been 21 other people that have been first round ballot Hall of Famer in the CFL. And yeah. just for those of you who don't know in America that don't really listen or know about the CFL, this is what year Grey Cup? 100 and nine i think it's supposed to be 110 100 no no it's 108 i think 108, well the 100 the 100th great cup was uh 2012 
So, yeah, do the math. So I don't know. So, so here's nine. How many Super Bowls do we have? Seventy-eight, I think, something like that. Okay. So let's let's not sleep on what's going on north of the border because they've been playing football for a very long time, longer than the NFL, partly due to the combined rugby and and that. But still, it doesn't take away from 100%. the fact that they've been playing it longer than the NFL has. Yeah. So. And let's not forget about some of the great players that have decided to go to the CFL instead of going to the NFL because Rocket Ishmael decided that I'm going to go play in the CFL. Made more money. Yeah, exactly. So let's Made not more sleep. Money. Don't, Moon. Think, don't think that Joe there's Theisman. not that. We wouldn't even get into that. Doug Flutie. Joe Theismann, Joe Flutie, Jeff Garcia, who I talked to the other day. Warren Moon went. Jeff the day. It was great. Warren Moon went because they told him black quarterbacks, you can't play quarterback. And be black. Hey, we I want to start a I want to start a separate podcast once a month with the group. So we're gonna do that. There and, it is. Uh, we're we'll, gonna we'll fool around there. for a little bit. Um, but I, I really appreciate you for coming on the what, podcast. What What's the last words? What's the last words? Hold on. You want to give some inspirational last words? You what are you gonna do? How you wanna, how you wanna close this? How how are we gonna close this? Let's you wanna see. close how it. You wanna close it Vegas style and just say, you know what, we out. You wanna close it with some positive last words. You what? How you wanna close this? You you close this out. We're we're gonna close this out. Um, so, not anything too serious, but just something that's the world is in a different place right now. There's a lot of things going on. Um, with racial tensions, whether it be from Asians to blacks to whites to Germans to Jews. Uh, look, man, everybody's fighting a battle every day that some that others can't see. And it costs you nothing to be kind. 100%. Everybody's fighting battles that others can't see. And you know what? If you wake up the next day, no matter what battles you have going on, guess what? It's another day. It's another chance to make it better than the day before. And if that doesn't happen, you know what? You've got another chance the next day. As long as you wake up, a day above ground is better than a day below it. 100%. So be kind man it doesn't cost you nothing to be kind to say hello to smile at somebody to hold the door for somebody um because you know what you hold a door for one person the next time they go to a door if that opportunity arises they might hold the door for somebody else and it trickles down trickles down trickles down trickles down trickles down um it's one race man the human race so that's it let's get it and hit to come up when you go to Vegas. He's always down for a good time. Hit me up when you come to Vegas, man. I'll show you around. We got some big announcements coming out with AO Sports. Um, shout out to Nick Lewis Nation and to Nick Lewis himself, the Hall of Famer, for letting me be his first podcast since the announcement came out. Man, it was an honor and a pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you, I buddy. owe you more you. than... And you know, man, I owe you more than you know. I love you too, man. Hey, keep
Kiss Ari, we're man, just getting Ari, started. I can't wait. We're just getting started. Tell Ari, I can't wait till we can mess some stuff up. We got more lawnmower rides coming up. It's about to go down. AO8 coming soon. AO8 coming soon. Look out. Holler at your boy, man.